Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday morning this week. Joining me from New York City, where he was at Knicks uh, Hornets overtime thriller on Wednesday night. Jalen Brunson continues to be the talk of the town. Is Tim Bonteps. Thriller is one way to describe that game, but hello, guys. I would say what a matchup between former Mavericks point guards. You haven't been introduced yet, McMahon. Wait till oh, you're introduced. Sorry. We'll get I was just amused. I was just amused by our former colleague Ian Begley following the uh, machinations of Dennis Smith Jr. in the game uh, intently as a quote former Nick. He was locked in on what Dennis Smith Jr. was doing, which I made a lot of fun of him for. Well, Dennis Smith Jr., who was out of the league and was like supposedly training to become an NFL tight end until defensive like every- back was a defensive back. Sorry. Um, he was talking so much trash last night. Um, it was amazing. Uh, he can was you talking trash. So I can like, talk. Oh, uh, joining us from Dallas, Texas, <laughs> just back from Oklahoma City, uh, who which he seems to be you know going to regularly now is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Um, listen, let's give Dennis Smith Jr. a little bit of credit. Out of the league, he's kind of thrust into a starting role. The guy's playing well. Former Mavericks lottery pick who's had a, a rough go. Who would have thought we'd have started talking in this podcast about Dennis Smith Jr.? I was, I wasn't, I was criticizing. I wasn't criticizing him. I was just saying he was out there talking trash, like he was Magic Johnson. Is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> trying to intimidate uh, guys shooting free throws at the, at the Garden. Um, anyway, uh, Bon Temps, you were all over the map over the first seven eight days of the NBA season. He had a story on ESPN.com that posted on Wednesday morning about some of the takeaways. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. You're right. Get your days right. I'm sorry. It's what happens when you're talking about <laughs> yesterday and also trying to compute that you're, when your words are being heard, it's tomorrow. So, so um, another, another Brian issue with time. We've had a few of those on the pod. <laughs> it happens. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. This morning, I, uh, I'm on NBA Today today. And I got onto the Zoom call this morning, getting ready to talk about the show. And uh, I was an hour early. Oh, wow. Um, listen to listen to listen to Wendy bragging about punctuality. <laughs> well, it, uh, it trust me, the mistake. I think the point I think the point was I think the point was less about punctuality and more mistaking the time and showing yeah, up that's early. Right. <laughs> well, look, everybody talks to this com- in this co- in this company on East Coast or West Coast time. I live in the middle. Um, anyway, uh, I do too, but nobody really talks to me. So it's not that big of a problem. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, anyway, on Thursday morning, Bon Temps, you had the story about some of the things that you, uh, took away from seeing a bunch of the Eastern contenders. Um, and you should check that story out. There's stuff in there about the Raptors and the Cavs and, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, none of which we're going to talk about right now. <clears throat> um, I want to talk about your takeaway from the 76ers who lost to the Raptors on Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday? Yeah. Wait, are the Sixers Wednesday in that story? Night. Cause you said it was about contenders. Mm. They are, Bontemps. they were nominally contenders to start the season. I, at least in my, as as I picked them first to win the most games in the goddamn league, I certainly thought they were going to be good. Uh, good call. Yeah. I mean, listen, this has been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, everybody wants to talk about how bad the Nets and the, and the Lakers are and have looked. Those teams were going to be bad. Anybody who was rational looking at them knew those teams weren't going to be very good. 
the Sixers team was supposed to be a great team, had added mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker to a mix with Tyrese Maxey, James Harden in the backcourt with Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid in the front court. They they boost the depth on the bench, getting DeAnthony Melton and Daniel House. Um, you know, they have Montrez Harrell, who should have been a good regular season player for them. It seemed like this was a team that was set up to win a whole ton of regular season games. And then they come out and look, the first two games, they play Boston and Milwaukee. They didn't play great, but they were fine. Like those are okay losses mm-hmm. ultimately, but then get beat down on their home court by the Spurs. They struggle to beat the Pacers on Monday, eventually pull away, but win that game. And then they go to Toronto last night and just get run off the court again. No energy throughout the game, getting toasted in fast break situations again. Um, the beginning of the game, they just did not guard Pascal Siakam. Let him just get one wide open three after another. I mean, this is a team that, you know, and they keep saying, oh, we need more time. We need to gel. We need things to come together. Like, I'm sorry. The four main guys on the team mm-hmm. all spent the last four months of last season together. This is not like there's 12 new players on the team and you have to get this thing figured out. You're not even like in Brooklyn where Ben Simmons hadn't played in a year and a half and he needed time to, you know, in theory, knock some rust off. This is a group that should have hit the ground running, talked about how great their preseason was, talked about how well things were coming together. And then the season started and they just look like a completely disjointed, disorganized group. A classic, you know, in baseball, they call it 25 guys, 25 calves. They look like that kind of team on the court. No energy, no cohesion, no communication. I mean, it's been really an unmitigated disaster, and they're really lucky that the Phillies are in the World Series and the Eagles have the are the lone undefeated team in the NFL because there's already heat on Doc Rivers' job a week into the season, mm-hmm. and if those two things were not going on, they'd be all anybody in Philadelphia was talking about right now. Yeah, and the you know the one new starter that they have is PJ Tucker, who's the ultimate complimentary piece. It's not like PJ. Oh well, you know we've really got to work him in. No, he's going to go right. stand in the corner. That's right. And he'll he'll shoot open threes, move the ball, and guard the other team's best player. It's not like you've really got to oh you know got to get PJ in a rhythm. Right. That, that's not the world he lives in. And you know, obviously, it's a this is probably premature stuff and it's a gossip league and all that, but you're starting to hear the murmurs. Oh, you know, boy, how long's in, you know, how long before Embiid starts to, to, you know, get an itch and, you know, maybe think about uh, greener pastures, this, that, and the other. I'll, I'll say this. The good thing is if that happens, the Sixers appear to be well positioned to replace him with Victor. Um, well, that so- is not true, actually. <laughs> oh no, that's right. My joke the, fell flat because they don't all own their the- pick. Well, yeah, of all the teams to actually own their pick, it is the Brooklyn Nets as part of the James Harden trade. So, no, it's the isn't it the Utah Jazz? No, it's the Nets. The Nets, I believe, still have their pick. I have to double check that though. I thought that I'm one checked. To, uh, I, I think that one. I think they. I think they traded a different pick, but I'm going to double check it right now while we're talking. Anyways, Either way, um, whoever has their pick, it ain't it ain't the Sixers. <laughs> that I can uh, promise you. Yes, uh, and you know you hear. There's a, well, you know, Joel had plantar fasciitis all summer. It's like the, the Sixers pick is is in Brooklyn, but I don't know if it's protected. I'm not sure what the protection is. I'm looking it up right now while we're talking. When when, when did Embiid get this plantar fasciitis all summer? Isn't that usually a, uh, an ailment that you get when you're actually like doing something? 
it, it, did he get like he there was some especially abrasive sand on the beach that he was vacationing on and suddenly developed a case of plantar fasciitis midseason but you know that's the excuse for him uh showing up not in what we would refer to as peak condition um obviously the transition defense is a total mess a lot of that's because sometimes Embiid crosses half court sometimes he doesn't uh we can talk about conditioning there I think we can also talk about um his mood <laughs> when, when Embiid ain't happy uh he's not hustling so the official the official word on this on this pick is uh Houston gets the more favorable pick between uh its pick and Brooklyn's pick and Brooklyn will receive the more favorable pick of either the of, of whatever that pick is in Philadelphia's pick so in other words Houston in other words Houston will wind up with the best pick in that deal I think regardless of how it shakes out yeah, so they did trade a first-round pick to Utah for Royce O'Neal, but the the Jazz get the lowest potential situation. That's right. The lowest. The Jazz get the worst of of Brooklyn, Houston, or Philadelphia's picks. Damn, so the Jazz got to fall. settle for the third pick. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm in Thompson. Well, this, this is the thing about the Jazz, who, by the way, are four and one. Um, uh, <laughs> when they traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, in theory, they weren't just trading to get pieces from the Cavs and Wolves. They were also trading to upgrade their own pick. Right. <laughs> um, in theory. <laughs> um, okay. But back to Philly, Philly ranks 27th defensively, which is, you know, we're still early in the season. You have two good games. You could be fourth, but um, they're 27th defensively, so they're not stopping anybody. And when you watch them, I mean, obviously from opening night, when the when the Celtics ran them out of the gym in, with speed, as Bontemps uh, wrote about that night and talked about that night when, with us the, the following day, or whatever it was, two days later, the they don't hustle back. And when they do get back, they're not organized. They don't their, their transition defense just isn't sound. It's not tight. They don't not sound is very, is a very kind description, right? They, they reprehensible get is a better one. Yeah. So they're 27th defensively. And by the way, when you watch, it's a them, cluster Philly, when you watch them, <laughs> <laughs> when you watch them, like Maxi just gets eaten alive on the perimeter. Harden gets eaten alive on the perimeter. Like, it, it's it's hard. I mean, it's last night Maxi scored 31 points, but when they're getting eaten up like that on defense, it's hard to feel like he had a good night. The other thing is when you have James Harden as your point guard, as your you know offensive dominator, you're gonna play slow. They rank DFL in pace, and I'm not saying that. Um, that, you know, they have to play high tempo, but when they play a style that is very slow and the teams that are playing them are all like, let's run these dudes. They're constantly looking out of sorts because they're getting run on and then they're being slow at the other end. And, you know, um, this is a team that's less than the sum of its parts. You, you know, you look at their roster as Bontemps was saying, there's like really good players there. 
and they're not being maximized. And so that's why people are talking about Doc, but mm -hmm. it's it's not as simple as saying it's the head coach, although I'm sure Doc could have had them more ready to play um, this season. And that's the thing about the Eastern Conference. Like, you have a tough game, like, every third night. So you, you know, have a, you know, you get off to a sluggish start and you get slapped across the face. And that's what's happened to them. Yeah, well, and the, it's even it, to me, the thing that's most damning is like when you talk about transition defense, the, the most basic thing there is just effort and hustle, right? Mm -hmm. Like even if they I mean, they are looking to your point discombobulated a lot of the time when they're getting back and like they're not covering the right guy and like basic screw ups are happening. But a lot of the time they're just watching the other team run by them for layups in open threes. Like there was one there was one notable play where Harden got the ball stripped from him in the second half of that game last night and Toronto comes down the other way and Joel's the only guy back and it ends up being a four on one where Gary Trent takes a three that he had a could have been measured by a sundial on the amount of time he had to shoot the ball because nobody was anywhere near him like that's the kind of stuff where you that's just effort like the effort is not where it needs to be let alone the communication and the other stuff being bad so it, it's a I mean, it like I said, people talk are talking a lot about how disappointing the Nets and the Lakers are. This Sixers team is so far and away the most disappointing team. It's time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify. And join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create those diehard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow winning business. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, quick games. aside about the close. Raptors. Quick aside about the Raptors. You did not write about this. You wrote about something else with the Raptors. Remind me what you wrote about Bon Temps in your piece. Uh, my main takeaway from them is that it's just very difficult for them to score. And right. like in a in a in a half court situation, they have to work for 
every basket, well, which put is up, why uh, they games, put up 120 against the against the six. Well, but games last night are a perfect <laughs> example. But that's exactly last night was the was the formula for them to win, which is they turned they forced turnovers. They had 13 Philly turnovers turned into 21 points and they won 29 to 17 in fast break points. When they get out in transition, they get open threes, they get open layups in the open court. They're really, really good when their defense is turning their offense and turning into points for their offense. So they have to get a different note. Half half court slugfest. They struggle a different note about the Raptors. Pascal Siakam, five games into the season. Five games is nothing. Okay, we know. Uh, but we're talking about after five games. 25 points, eight rebounds, eight or nine rebounds, eight assists. Holy yeah. Moses. Yeah, Ooh, Pascal, good. Pascal has looked as, as good or better than those numbers in the games, too. Like he he's been legitimate. It's only like you said, five games in. He looks like a guy who's going to repeat as an all NBA forward this year. He looks fantastic for these guys. One last quick thing on the uh, Sixers going into the season. What do we all say? Hey, this all comes down to James Harden. Is he, you know, anything close to the guy that we saw early in Brooklyn and then for eight years in Houston, or is he on the decline? And the, and the frightening thing for Philly is Harden physically actually looks really good. Like he's he's shown the ability to beat guys off the dribble again. He's obviously leaner. He was ecstatic after the 0-2 start. I mean, he 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 was putting up huge numbers. He was happy as could be. I know. And they still can't win. They still aren't winning. So they play the Raptors again Friday night um in Toronto baseball series. Um then they play in Chicago <clears throat> and in Washington are their next two games after that. By the way, the Wizards are three and one. Um, so and they then they have a, a home and home with the Wizards. It's another sub home and home. So then I think uh, they get the Suns next week. I think the Suns come in. But, but, that, listen, so. in the East, as you said, there are no days off. There's just not. There's a good team coming in basically every day. It's why it's it's just a much different conference than it used to be. And given how they looked against the Spurs and the Pacers, there ain't an easy game for them right now, period, anyway. So things better start changing real quick, beginning with this game Friday night against the Raptors in the second half of this baseball series. By the way, I'm, I beginning, don't... To, I'm beginning to reconsider my the Suns are too big of a circus to be a contender take. Uh, pretty convincing performance against the Warriors the other night. Well, they're going to win a lot of games. They're, they're positioned to win a lot of games. And also Chris Paul, who was absolutely terrible shooting the ball the first couple of games mm-hmm. came out of his slump a little bit but they're gonna the Suns are positioned to win a lot of games you know I think it's a, it's a different question about whether they're going to be able to be a better contender this year than they were last year especially with their depth concerns I just but put them on the list of not contenders going into the season and and I think I need to maybe uh chill out a little bit on that might be time to reconsider yeah, <laughs> yeah. well um Devin Booker is I mean, I just want to point out, you know, a guy like Devin Booker, he's big, he's been in our consciousness a lot for the last couple of years because he was in the finals two years ago. And last year he was on the best team in the league. I mentioned Siakam's start. I don't know if the Suns play tonight. I, I don't want to. I'm going to. They do not play tonight. Devin Booker so far this season. Ready for these stats? 33 points a game. 53% shooting. 48% on threes, six assists, 
uh, a game. He looks like as good offensively as he's ever looked in this, Mm -hmm. you know, beginning stretch of the season. Not only that, he's hunting fouls. He's averaging nine uh, free throws a game. Last year, he Mm -hmm. averaged five. The Luca special. Let's let's see. I don't I don't want to like you know make any assumptions, but Devin Booker um, looks hungry after getting that two hundred and twenty million dollar extension. I prefer not to talk about the Nets. Uh, for one, they they play tonight against the. Sounds like we're going to uh, talk about the Nets, McMahon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go on. I with mean, you. you're, you're not going to. We are not going to mention a certain team that plays in Southern California in this podcast. I just hope they've got a nice supply of icy hot. Those hammies are acting up again. I've, I've been talking about them all day on get up and other shows. And I'm talking about them the rest of the day. We're not going to talk about them. I would prefer not to talk about the nets, but there's a couple of things I just have to say. And I, I mean, they obviously have a game tonight. People have talked about how Kyrie Irving might be a target of the unsaid team from Southern California next year. And I think he would fit right in because he is shooting 22% on threes. Now watch, he'll, he'll make nine threes tonight. He's shooting 22% on that's threes. The, that's the big stat we had to pull out Listen, about the Nets. That, that, Kyrie's that, 22% hey, from three through four. I, four or five I believe weeks. that would be an no. upgrade. No, that is not the big stat. Be a slight downgrade. 22.3% to be clear. To be clear, 22.3%. They had Will Smith. They had the Fresh Prince in there, but the they we're not like talking Carlton about Banks. him. <laughs> we're not talking about him. In four games that they've played this year, fifth game is tonight. Ben Simmons has played 77 minutes on the court with Kyrie and Durant. This is their big three. Simmons, Kyrie, Durant. The concept being that Simmons is going to defend. And I've said I don't care if he makes a shot outside the paint. He doesn't make any inside the paint. (laughs) Go on. When he's on the floor with them, 77 minutes, they're minus 30. That is a big oh no. Yeah, I was looking up worst plus minus and best and worst plus minus in the league the other day just because I was wondering. Honestly, I looked it up because I was wondering if Wiseman was the worst and he was at the time. Um. But Durant was down there near the bottom, which actually, as a matter of fact, right now I just looked it up. And again, they play tonight. But right now, Kevin Durant has the worst plus minus in the NBA. He's a minus 58 in their first four games. That's shocking. Oh, it's not shocking when you watch him play. Would you trade him for Pascal Siakam? <laughs> With the Raptors right now? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Sure would you trade him for I'm Pascal not, Siakam? I'm not, I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I would. You know, that's it. That's I probably I probably question. would. I probably would because <laughs> his top end is still there. But the fact that you got to pause for a second is is noteworthy. Well, no, I'm looking at it from the Nets perspective, and it's like, hey, if you're not going to be a legitimate contender with KD, and it's a miserable situation, like uh, I'd have to look up Siakam's age, but he's what, <laughs> he's younger er- than Durant. Yeah, I was sick. Like I want to say he's like early prime. Uh, you could say. Obviously, he's not the superstar that KD is, but at least you're going to get a, a Pascal's 28. Yeah, so mid prime. That's a that's an interesting one. Ben Simmons is 26. I wouldn't trade um, Pascal for Ben Simmons. I'll tell you that no. much. <laughs> I wouldn't trade Gary Trent Jr. for Ben Simmons. 
one of the things I was talking to a scout today who's seen a couple of their games and he had like a devastating comment to me about what he's seen with Ben. He said when he gets taken out of these games in foul trouble, like, you know, because he's constantly in foul trouble, it doesn't upset him that in this scout's opinion, he is happy to come off the floor. And, um, you know, look, Ben's got things that he's battling, but if they can't defend, what are we talking well, they can't, about? They can't defend whether Ben Simmons is with it or not. I mean, well, he was supposed to help. By the way, I, I was, we, you know, we were wrapping the 76ers for their defense. The Nets are 29th. All right. But the Nets, the Nets have no defensive talent. The, Net, the Nets Simmons are not his defensive talent. He's one guy. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is a maybe slightly above average defender at this point. They yeah, don't have another arguably average defender on the team. And well, they have those no two size. Guys, ben Simmons is an all defensive team player. And Royce Young is a plus defender. They were supposed to make a you, difference. You keep, calling him, you keep calling him Royce Young. And again, I did it again. I'm sorry. And again, well, I'm getting older. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you have one good perimeter defender or one and a half good perimeter defenders. They have no interior defenders. They have no size and they have no other defensive talent on the roster outside of those guys. Like they're not going to be a I mean, good defensive team. KD is a defensive talent. I just don't know how determined KD is to how to often, play how often is point. Kevin? I mean, people talk, people for years have talked about Kevin. Like, look, when Kevin is really trying on defense, he could be a plus defender. That also was before he's had all these injuries. He also was not engaged at that end very often. He just isn't. Yeah. No, I agree so with that. He's, Especially I would when call he tries him to in, force his way out over the summer and it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I would say he's an average defender. They don't have, they have to me one above average defender on the team. And it's a guy who didn't play for a year and a half and looks completely out of sorts. Like now, also you I, said they're 29th. They do see the Mavericks tonight who are short, small sample size, the number one offense in the league. So they could very well be back to DFL yeah, I, by uh, the time this podcast hits. The, by the uh, way, you know who is Interwaves. dead last in defense in the league right now? The fighting Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> They're three. And, you know, now, this is why, that, you know, you, you know, things are a little upside down. The Lakers are number four in defense in the league and they're 0-4. And, and the Grizzlies are, you know, 30th in defense and are three, <laughs> three and one. Well, and also it's this, like we say, small sample size. The Grizzlies came in here to Dallas on a back-to-back and just, it was a total no-show. Luca dominates the first quarter of the game's over. They gave up, I think, 137 points. Now, having said that, Dylan Brooks missed the first three games. Then he comes back and, hey, welcome back, Dylan. There's Kevin Durant. Go guard him. They have to win a shootout in that game. And obviously, they have Jaron Jackson Jr. Still not a definite timetable on his return, but you know he's a he's a defense player of the year candidate who hasn't played a second yet. And then it's uh, they can by win the way, shootouts. this happened to the Grizzlies last year. They they you know, because they historically have been a good defensive team and they started off last year and they were like bottom five in defense through like mid to late November. And they were, you know, kind of lagging a little bit and then they got their defense together and ended up as the two seed. So, well, and, and um, if, we, if we want to be real honest, John Morant is an absolute bullseye on the defensive end. He has the best defensive highlight reel of a bad defender in NBA history because some of the chase down blocks where he's like ducking right. to avoid the, the backboard after he swats the things are absolutely spectacular. But, uh, you know, teams are going to relentlessly hunt him 
And that's something that he's got to figure out and and the Grizzlies have to figure out. Now, it's a lot easier to figure out when you've got Jaron Jackson back there to help clean things up. Well, well, and they also are missing DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, who are two solid defenders that they don't have on the team anymore, too. So you take those guys and Jaron out. That's a that's a significant change. But to circle back to the Nets, I, I don't well, care. Hold on one second. Are- as long as we're talking about um, early season ratings, Small sample size theater, the team from Southern California, I'm violating my own rule, I know, but I can't help it. They're scoring 96 points per 100 possessions offensively. It's the worst showing. No one's been under a hundred. Um, you know they're at ninety six. I'll, I'll, they're they're at ninety six and change. I'll, I'll goose them to ninety seven. The last team that averaged under a hundred, um, <laughs> points per hundred possessions, was the two thousand fifteen sixteen seventy sixers. They started the season one in thirty. Well, listen, so, the Lake, that'd be a, an update. Uh, we don't say for, the name for the fight. You're the, the one who keeps talking about them. I mean, they're right. a bad, I'm they're sorry. a bad team. The point, the point about hilariously the point entertaining about, bad team. So come I on, apologize. Like, I mean, the, the thing about the Nets is they're going to be a very bad defensive team. So talking about their defense is not the point. The, the bigger issue for them is they're 18th in offense right now behind teams like Indiana, San Antonio, Utah. Sacramento, like their only hey, chance. Don't, don't, to, don't Utah and San Antonio; those are winning teams. What do listen, you talk? Don't don't three and, throw them three in and there one, like baby. they're a bunch of. Come on, four and one. The only like, three and for the two. Jazz. They lost take note, the, baby. Hey, that's Jazz took their hashtag. The Jazz took their hashtag back, and they're taking the league by storm. They sure are. <laughs> they're they're very likes it or not, when they're very terrible jerseys. Um, but they uh, but the the Nets blown path being a legitimate team that could maybe be some sort of factor in the East is to be the best offense in the league or to be a top three offensive team and make up for the fact that they're not going to have any size and they're not going to guard anybody. And if they're going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack on offense, like they're just going to be a flat out bad team because they, they cannot, they cannot survive if they're not one of the five best offenses in the league. Full well, they're 27th and three point shooting 27. That's that'll get better. They have to, unlike I mean, the other team, they have yeah. a lot of good shooters. They'll, they'll make well, and, shots. And I don't know when Seth, you know, what's going on with Seth Curry, but he would certainly make a difference there. Um, no question. Okay. Before we move on, Bond Temps, do we have any trivia? We Ooh. do not. What? No trivia. You can, this That's guy goes to, this guy goes like 12 games and seven nights and thinks that he can, <laughs> he can skip out on trivia. This is some bull crap. I, How I, about was, this looking for up, trivia I was looking question. it up this morning oh. and I got distracted. Okay. Hold on. Give me, let me, let me get all who was nerdy. the last team to, who was the last team to average less than a hundred points per hundred possessions? <laughs> you already told us <laughs> that. Just, you just, you just said it. I actually I do know. have a, I actually do have a trivia question here uh, from Stats Williams. I, I, I apologize to Stats Williams. He sent me one last night. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Two guys drove to work. 
Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. The, the, on Philly's transition defense, they have allowed 106 fast break points, the most by any team, uh, the most by any team through the first five games of a season in the past five years. Who did they? Who did they surpass? Probably last year's Rockets. That that's a decent guess, but no, it's not last hmm. year's Rockets. Who was the worst defense? Um... Boy, and that There's, year it coming out of the bubble. Well, I said in the last I said the last five years. Yeah. I know. I'm guessing it was coming out of the bubble. It was not coming out of the bubble. It was the 2018 okay. 19 season. 2018 19. All right. I'm gonna look I'm I'm gonna cheat and look up defensive ratings from 2018 19. Yep. It was a truly it was a truly bad team that we have talked about earlier on the pod. In, in brief form. Hmm. Or they came up earlier on this pod in brief form, I should say. Probably the Suns. It was the Suns. Here come the Suns. Suns who, the Suns who were 19 and 63 that season. Is that good? It's not great. That's Poor how they e- got their their Poor beloved Igor. center, DeAndre Ayton. That's how they got DeAndre. That's the, how they got the. That's right. <laughs> headed for twenty years with the franchise. I have no doubt. No, um, no, eighteen, nineteen. It was, it was actually season. DeAndre's first season. It was not. Yeah. It was oh. uh, okay. Well, speaking of um, number one overall picks, I'd like to um, spend a little bit of time here on the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, who did beat Apollo. What? I thought you were gonna. We were gonna rave about Paulo for a minute, even though they've yet oh. to win in Orlando. But no, let's talk well, to. Thank you I for just, looking just... at the rundown. We will speak about them as well. <laughs> um, you've now just clued all of our listeners. In how dare? How about... dare you? How dare you mix, mix something <laughs> up, like man? The host it's called never a tease. Does that. It's called a tease, baby. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> remember, like years ago, when we wouldn't even know what we were going to talk about. We just came on and we talked for like an hour forty-five minutes. We didn't even know what we were going to talk about. We just it, it was, ain't it that it ain't that different though, right now. Let's be honest. It's not like we have intense planning. <laughs> we didn't have like people like all these producers and like all these executives weighing in on stuff. Um, you know who you are. Um, you know, I wrote about the Wolves in the in their preseason. Uh, they did beat the Spurs. Um. Uh, on Wednesday night to split that uh, home a, re- a revenge today. game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. By the way, Jakob Pertle. I don't think I think it's the first time we've ever talked about Jakob Pertle on this podcast. Like, there are some teams that could really use Jakob Pertle, and I'm oh, not yes. sure that the Spurs want to let him go. But I'd be calling. 
Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets could desperately use you know Yakov. He's interesting to me on that roster, and he's got a year left at pretty significant money, like thir- almost 14 mil. But Doug McDermott, all these teams that can use shooting, Doug McDermott can absolutely shoot the ball. Uh, who's the highest paid uh, San Antonio Spur? Uh, Johnson's extension has not kicked in. Is that correct? So th- that's a that's kind right. of a trick I question. Uh, is it Doug McDermott? It is Doug McDermott. Um, probably Josh Richardson and, and Pirtle would be next. Omaha's own <laughs> Doug McDermott. Um, he's shooting five, 50% on threes so far this year. There's a couple of teams I think that could could use that. Um, but Jakob Pirtle, who is um, – he's got a tricky extension situation. We always talk about the extension issues with guys like Jalen Brown. They can't extend. Jakob Pertl is on such a good contract that um, he can only sign for four years and $58 million, which what's the math on that? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that would be doable for Jakob Pertl. Right? Yeah, I'm like, that's not a bad deal for Jakob Pertl. <laughs> it's, it's not. Oh, you want to bet? Hmm. I, I, Why I do actually. It? Why hadn't he signed I don't know. It? I don't know if they've offered it. I have no comment. Uh, okay. We're not going to talk about more about Jakob Pertl. Um, okay. I will talk <laughs> about something else. This is a driver, the, the Jakob Pertl podcast. <laughs> sure I is. I know. We're going to lead sure the pod is. with that. I'm going to tell you something, though. Keldon we're Johnson, talking Timberwolves. <laughs> we were supposed to. Keldon Johnson, real quick. It hasn't been real quick, I know. He's averaging 22 points, six rebounds, four assists. He signed in July... Uh, under the radar, so under the radar that mm-hmm. I forgot about it until Bontemps reminded me like three weeks ago. He signed a four-year, $74 million contract extension, $18.5 million a year. Very we solid extension. Tyler, we saw Tyler Hero get $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. We saw Jordan Poole get $31 million a year. Keldon Johnson got eighteen and a half. How about that for the Spurs? Um, Very okay. good extension. The Wolves. We have a couple of problems with the Wolves. Um, And, you know, one of the things about them is that in the preseason, um, they were resting Rudy Gobert coming off a Eurobasket. And um, obviously, Carl Towns was ill and he missed a bunch of time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when the when the Nets say they need, you know, time to gel. It's one thing. When the Wolves say it, it's kind of something else. But in the last week, we've had Anthony Edwards say, it's better for me when we play small, mm-hmm. which he's probably right about that on certain extent, to a certain extent. Um, but that's Long worrisome team. considering <laughs> they've, extremely heavily invested in playing big Mm -hmm. and Chris Finch, their head coach. um, After we talked about Ohio state football for 10 minutes, we had a two minute interview. I'm just kidding. It was more like seven minute interview. No, anyway, um, he said to me on the record, it was in the story. When you have Carl Towns, you don't play small and you've got Anthony Edwards talking about wanting to play small. Um, And then a couple of days later, you've got Carl Towns basically saying Anthony Edwards doesn't take care of his body like he should. And in this particular case saying he eats pop too much Popeye's chicken. Mm -hmm. 
Um, to which Anthony Edwards came back and said, I haven't had Popeyes in two years. Yeah, uh, but but Anthony and I actually saw these guys in OKC. I went up there to see him on uh, on Sunday, and and Ant readily acknowledges he reported too heavy. Now he says it was because he was in the weight room so much, and you know not in the drive through, but whatever. Uh, he reported at two thirty nine. He says he's back down to two thirty, but like you ask him, like I'll just, you know Rudy Gobert is telling me, hey, Anthony Edwards has a chance to be an all defensive player, but. You know, I got to basically be on his ass to help make it happen. And, you know, Edwards admits, like, I've also got to get better shape because I, you know, can't carry the load uh, on the offensive end and, and have energy defensively in the kind of shape that I'm in. I mean, he he admits that. I don't think he needs Cat going in, in front of the uh, in front of the media calling him out. And I just honestly, I don't think Cat has the kind of credibility to where he can be calling teammates out on stuff when he's got a history of, of uh disappointing performances when when the pressure is highest. Uh, I just I but that that's neither here nor there. And then it's on the so I saw them right after Ant said, you know, the smaller the better for me. And he didn't walk back those comments. But basically what he's what he says is, look, man, I don't want to talk about lineups. Like, dude, I'm a third year guy. You know, that's the coach's job. And so even uh post game, that's when Nas Reed came out and lit it up and they put the thunder away. The the local media, which is all on Zoom because nobody's traveling, which is a neither here nor there. But anyways, they're asking him about that lineup. And Ant basically says, Hey, guys. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Don't ask me about lineup stuff. Like it ain't my job. You put me in a bad spot. I don't want to talk about it. And we're walking out and he says uh, to, to their, uh, to their PR chief, he says, Hey man, like, will you tell, will you tell those guys, like, don't ask me about lineups. He's like, you know, they work for the team and they're asking me about line. And he's like, uh, they don't work for the team. So <laughs> this is a, my point is it is a young guy who still has a lot to learn. And Wendy, you're on mute. <laughs> Wendy, your mouth is moving, but you're you're muted. <laughs> he probably doesn't go. like it because he got caught truth telling. Yes, exactly. And 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 his point is like, dude, me expressing my opinions about that is clearly counterproductive. So he doesn't want to be asked because he doesn't want to sit up there and kind of mealy mouth stuff. But it's interesting. They make such a massive you know, franchise changing move. And, you know, as you wrote uh, preseason, Tim Connolly, who, you know, the new sheriff in town, he didn't consult Carl Anthony Towns. He didn't consult Anthony Edwards, which is, it's interesting. You know, typically you make that kind of major move and your franchise cornerstones are, are if not influencing the conversation, at, at least involved. I just think it's going to take a lot of things to fall into place to make it work from the pressures from the other teams. The other teams are going to come after these big lineups and it's going to be incumbent on them to use the advantages that they create to overcome the disadvantages in the modern NBA. But they're, you know, we're early here, but they're having issues dealing with it internally. And I don't think that they can't be solved because Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards playing the other last year were in many cases a killer duo. They ruined a lot of teams' nights. Their future is very bright. I'm 
a believer in that duo. I'm a skeptic that the big lineup can work, but I'm certainly not going to make a judgment now. But I think it's relevant that they're already having some inter-team dynamic issues that are spilling over publicly. Um, And they're striving a little bit of struggles early in the season. Yeah, I I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, I asked Rudy like what he thought when he heard that. And he basically said, I haven't seen the clip. I don't know the context, but he's basically like, you know what? Ant says a lot of things that I don't necessarily worry about it. Like this is our team We're, we've got to figure it out. Uh, he, he didn't take it personally. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, th- their ceiling is going to be determined by Anthony Edwards and the fact that he came in in, in not ideal shape and he's not a, exactly expressing enthusiasm about the the look of the lineup it's a little messy yeah it's definitely messy but i think the thing to remember here too is that unlike say philly where that team should just seamlessly make sense together mm-hmm. carl towns missed basically the entire preseason with this illness didn't really play they they didn't have any chance to really get any kind of chemistry on the court as group and so I think it would it would be surprising to me if they were five and oh and everything looked great, even against kind of a soft schedule to start with. Kind right. Of. Like, like they have losses to Utah, which again, I know they look like world beaters now with a record, but right. come on. And and they got blown out at home by San Antonio. Now it's on a back to back, but still. No, I mean, it's th- those are not good losses. But th- if you look around the league, there's a lot of not so good losses here over the first week. That's just kind of what happens at the start of the year. Like, I think that this team, as much as any in the league, I think deserves till Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving to really see what they look like at that point. If we're, if we get to Thanksgiving and they're around 500 and they're still squabbling about, you know, saying that certain lineups are working or not working or that kind of stuff still going on, then I think it's time to have a bit of cause for concern. But I, I just, I'm not surprised that this was a little clunky to start. And as Rudy said, I mean, part of the reason we talk so much about the Ant Man on the pod is that he says a lot of wild stuff. So, yeah, and and I do know. think squabbling is a little bit much. I think what happened was Anthony Edwards. They asked him a question. He gave an honest answer about what he's feeling, right, uh, in in the moment. But I, I just he doesn't strike me as a guy who is going to. Yeah, he's not a complainer. I don't think. I don't think he's a he's a guy. Who's, you know, he he doesn't want to rock the boat. He just gave an honest answer. Um, yeah, I just I I think he's a guy who can be, uh, who can be led. Who can who can get on board? Now the question is, do they have the leadership there? Hmm. Well, to be continued. Before we go, I'd like to talk about the performances of some of the rookies early on here. Paolo Bancaro. Now the Magic are off to an 0-5 start. But you could argue that the Magic are off to an ideal start. Because <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Paolo Bancaro, he's a, you know, they're banged up um, with some folks on their team. Uh, but, and now Cole Anthony is, uh, looks like he might be out a little while with an injury that he suffered on Wednesday night. Um, but Paolo looks good. Um, he's averaging 24 points, almost eight rebounds, uh, three assists. And one of the things that's super impressed me 
in his early going as a, as an NBA player, he's averaging nine free throws a game and he's shooting 80% on those free throws. I mean, he is hunting for the foul line. That's something that players usually um, take a while, like seasons <laughs> to, to learn how to do. And by the way, he's not even 20 yet. He's got his 20th birthday in like a, a couple of weeks. Um, he has been extremely impressive. Uh, 45% overall from the, from the, uh, from the field, not shooting it as, as great from the outside, uh, from three point range, but, um, you know, they, they put the ball in his hands a lot. They're relying on him a lot and he is impressing me a lot so far. Uh, Bontemps, you haven't had a chance to see the magic yet. Probably, be, but it won't be too long, I'm sure, the way you go to games. Um, I wanted to know what your impressions, early impressions of him are. Well, look, I think, I mean, you mentioned that the Magic are, are struggling and they're 0-5. I actually think they've been very impressive to start, even though they are 0-5, because their schedule, I mean, look, they had a four-point game with Detroit in the first game. Then they played uh, Atlanta tough in their second game, lost by 10. They were down to the wire with Boston the next night, lost that game by six. We're competitive with the Knicks and we're competitive last night with Cleveland. Like those are four, you know, playoff caliber teams they played in a row. And it's not like they're getting routed in these games and they're playing all these young guys. Now, the defense is a disaster. They look like a very young team. They're going to be bad, as we all know. But like you said, I think it's been an ideal start for them. And Paolo's been great. I mean, he's been everything that this team could have hoped for. You know, we've talked, I mean, really for the last decade, they haven't had a guy that they could build an offense around. It's been the biggest thing that's held this team back. Paolo is already looking like that guy through five games. He's everything I think you could hope for if you're a Magic fan. And the only reason he's not the obvious runaway rookie of the year guy so far is that Ben Matherin with the Pacers has been just as good. Also and, because we're a week into the season, so. <laughs> well, right. I know, but I'm just saying, like that. The only re like he's been, he's been awesome, and the only reason he's not just completely blowing the field away is that Matherin's also been really, really good. I mean, this looks like it's got mm -hmm. a chance to be a really good rookie class, but yeah, I think you're obviously for a weekend. If you're the Magic, you're a Magic fan who'd love to have one more bad season and get up there and mm -hmm. get Scoot Anderson or Victor you're gonna next get spring. <laughs> yes. Well, you're gonna get you the bad season, but. But yeah, but like the young guys are playing, they're competitive, they play hard. Paolo looks great. I mean, I think if you're a Magic fan, it's a lot to be excited about. You know who? Well, you know but, who's looked good? You know who's looked good so far for the Magic? Before I did not to cut you off, McMahon. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, Bull Bull. Mm -hmm. I know he's been like um, an interesting prospect for like four years now, but like he's actually doesn't look too bad. Um, sorry, yeah. go ahead, McMahon. No, I was I was gonna say they've got. So Paulo is a, a primary offensive player, right? Like he's he can be your your number one option. Now the question is, can he be that and be efficient? That's the biggest question mark I I heard about him going into the draft. And and the answer is a rookie is probably not. Show me show me the rookie who's putting up twenty plus points a game uh, efficiently. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. The fact that he is getting to the line as much as he does yep. certainly bodes well. Uh, the one thing that. to watch, the one thing to watch, he is shooting 28% from three. There were some questions about his ability to shoot the ball overall coming in. Obviously, the free throw shooting is great. Shooting 80% from the line and nine attempts is awesome. But that's sort of the one offensive question for him 
how good can that three point shot get? Because obviously that'll be a thing to watch going forward with him. Yeah, and also that's the thing that I think you see guys develop. Uh, yep. Like if that's your biggest question mark, I like your odds because you Rookies, see guys develop as shooters. Mo- most players have their worst shooting seasons as rookies. Right. And then almost uh, everybody gets paid. And, and again, especially like not very many rookies have to be the number one offensive option. That's really hard. Look at Jalen Green early last season. His numbers were absolutely atrocious. And obviously the Rockets aren't winning, but Jalen Green came on really strong at the end of last season and 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 the guy can score. We know Paulo can score. I think the efficiency will improve uh as as he matures. They've got one other guy who I say that is an absolute keeper. Franz Wagner is absolutely a keeper. Um, in shooting the three wheel right now, but he can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. Um, you know, just it's a, a nice. Really, it's a real nice forward combo, man. Exactly. Really nice. And then I think they've got a lot of of quite a lot of maybes, a lot of question marks around that. You know, you can say, well, Wendell Carter Jr. is a he's an NBA caliber player. You know, is he a core piece? TBD. You know, you mentioned Bull Bull. There's some upside there. Uh, there's some upside with Mo Bamba. You know, Suggs unfortunately can't I don't know stay about that, healthy. But you know where there's you know what there's upside on? Their 2023 first round pick. Oh, there's a lot of upside um, and, there. And, and, and the go, possibility of getting another one from the uh the Bulls, too. The Bulls. Well, yeah. they're probably gonna get that one. Okay, before we go, because we're running long. You asked McMahon to show you a rookie averaging over 20 points on good efficiency. I, I give you the say. man that that uh, that Bontemps mentioned a minute ago, Ben Matherin. That's Ben with two N's, by the way, Benedict Matherin, rookie from the um, Indiana Pacers, pick six mm-hmm. in the draft out of Arizona. Uh, we talked about it on the pod last year. Um, the Pacers' first pick inside the top ten in like thirty years, um, over thirty years, I think. Second one coming uh, soon. <laughs> there'll be another one, I think. Um, he is averaging, he has been dynamic for the Pacers in their first five games, averaging 21 points, 45% shooting, 39% on uh, six threes a game. Six threes a game is a lot for a rookie. Um, shooting off the bench. For sure. I can't, I mean, they, they've gotten him playing 28. Now, by the way, these are in 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. I gotta believe they're gonna boost his minutes as the season goes along. But uh, at some point, um, they'll, hope they'll they'll probably be trading Buddy Heald. I was gonna say at some point he he's going to be starting next to Tyrese Halliburton, and that's going to be the case for you know you could you could maybe pencil that in for a decade a or so. Yeah, or Scoot Henderson, eighty three percent on six free throws a game, um, and a big time playmaker like come to the game to watch what he might do type guy. Um, he's got a fascinating background. He's from Montreal. Hasn't been too many NBA players from Montreal um, played, but really kind of emerged out of the NBA Academy in Mexico city, ended up at the NBA's um, development Academy in Mexico city um, before he went to Arizona. So he speaks French and some Spanish and the Pacers did a cool thing last week, um, you know, because he was, First, um, you know, in Mexico City, then at Arizona for two years. Now at the Pacers, he hadn't, you know, his mom hadn't cooked. He's as of hey, he's of Haitian descent. Um, his mom hadn't cooked him a meal in like three years. So the Pacers secretly flew in his mom and sister, 
Um, and they surprisingly cooked him a meal. He cooked him, they cooked a meal for the whole team, his favorite food. I thought it was a cool thing the Pacers did. Um, you always see stuff about rookie hazing. This was actually the Pacers doing something to make their rookie also really good, feel somewhat at home. Um, they are on, I don't mean to sound like a company man, but they are on national TV on Friday night. They play the Wizards, I believe, on playing the Wiz. I would, if you have a chance and you got nothing going on, you might want to tune over and take a look at that game just to see um, Ben Matherin. Uh, and because he is putting up some great stuff, um, um, Bontemps. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's a he's a really fun player to watch. I mean, I remember watching Arizona in the tournament, and I, I admittedly had not seen much college basketball this year. And so, wow, this kid looks pretty good. Um, and then I didn't even know he was a – I went and looked at Cavoni's mock, and I saw he was, like, somewhere in the lottery. He said, oh, it makes sense. This kid looks like a big-time athlete and scorer. And, like, he, he showed up at Summer League in Vegas, looked awesome. He's looked awesome from the jump here. And like McMahon said, I mean, you go forward. Obviously, Indiana's got a long way to go in this rebuild. They're just getting started. But you you start off with him and Tyrese Halliburton as your backcourt. Like, that's a place where if Victor wound up with the Pacers, you got those three guys, that'd be pretty fun going forward. And even if they don't get him, like, that's a that's an awfully good place to start if you're talking yeah. about trying to build a rebuilding team. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they're still – very early in the rebuild, still have some tearing down to do. Like, obviously, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, there were the talks of the Lakers. I would be surprised if at least both, maybe either of those guys are, are still in Indiana uh, after the trade deadline. But they have a they have with uh, with Halliburton and uh, and Matherin, they've got a, a a duo there that you know you could you could fast forward three or four years and say, Hey, they've got a chance to be one of the best backcourts in the league. Yeah, so something to be excited about for the Pacers, which, um, you know, hasn't been the case for a while, but um, certainly, um, certainly got to keep your eye on. Okay. Thanks for listening to the collective podcast. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Hope everyone has a good weekend. We will talk to you next week. Adios amigos.